Guy Carumba for the week of June 26th to July 2nd, 2022. A waning crescent moon is near Venus on Sunday morning this week and Mercury the next morning. You'll need the help finding Mercury from the northern hemisphere. It's not getting far above the horizon there before morning twilight washes it out. But if you can find it, you can still see all five naked-eye planets crossing the sky in the same order that they are from the sun in orbit. They span about half of the sky's dome. As Mercury slips sunward, Venus slides in the same direction by Ain, the star on the other end of the Hyades V opposite Aldebaran. Mars moves across Pisces, also eastward. Jupiter is nearly holding still west of Pisces, and Saturn is very slowly retrograde near Deneb Algeti. Retrograde is how astronomers say it's moving westward. You can see the constellation Leo setting in early evening. By the end of the week, a waxing crescent moon is moving into the sickle of Leo. Three moments in the moon's orbit come together this week. The moon is new on Wednesday, Universal Time. It's at northern Lunastus and Apogee on the same day, as far north as it goes and as far away as it gets. Remember the very close southern full moon two weeks ago? Now it's on the other side of the orbit. In two more weeks, there will be another very close southern full moon. These three components of lunar orbit, the phase, the distance, and how far north and south, are actually out of sync with each other. They just happen to be coming together lately. The moon's orbital period is 27 and one-third days. Over that period, the moon goes from farthest to closest to farthest again. The farthest point is called apogee, and closest is perigee. It also takes about the same amount of time to go from farthest south to farthest north to farthest south again. How far north or south of the equator is called declination. And either extreme point is called a lunastus, although not a lot of astronomers use the word. The moon's phases average 29 and a half days from one to the same again. It takes two days longer for the moon to reach the same phase again than it takes to orbit, because by the time the moon has gone around the Earth exactly one time, the Earth has gone partway around the Sun, about one-thirteenth of the way. The moon lines up with the Earth and distant stars again in 27 and a third days, but to line up with the Earth and Sun the same way again takes two more days. Maybe that seems like the wrong way to measure how long the moon's orbit is. One full moon to the next, or one first quarter to the next, is the intuitive way to call it one time around, right? Not the time it takes to go from Regulus this time to Regulus next time, or from any other star to that same star again. Well, that intuitive reckoning has limits. As scientists came to understand that the Earth is not the center of everything, they had to more specifically define things like orbits. And so a lunar orbit is a little shorter than the lunar month we still prefer on calendars. Now, even though the distance and declination recur every 27 and a third days, they are also out of sync with each other. Not as much as they are with the moon's phases, but over many months and years, you'll see a perigee and a lunastus getting farther apart on the calendar and then closer together again. The reason for this is more complicated. When the moon goes around the Earth and the Earth goes around the sun, they're not moving in perfect ellipses. The moon's tugging on the Earth, the sun's also tugging on the moon, other planets are having gravitational influences. It all makes some complicated math. And that's as far as my explanation is going.
Earth will be farthest from the sun on Monday, July 4th. It'll be 1.017 astronomical units from the sun. One astronomical unit is the average Earth-Sun distance of 149.6 million kilometers, or a little less than 93 million miles. Multiply those figures by 1.017, and you get 152.1 million kilometers and 94.5 million miles. I'm always amazed that other people here in the Northern Hemisphere are amazed to find out that when summer's heating up, the Earth is farthest from the sun. And likewise, they're amazed that it's getting very cold when Earth is closest to the sun. I wonder if Southern Hemisphere residents think it's hot in summer because the planet's closer and cold in winter because it's farther. Well, sure, our planet's distance from the sun affects how much solar energy makes it here to warm us up. But the angle that sunlight comes in at has a much bigger effect. The hemisphere that's tilted away from the sun gets sunlight at a more oblique angle, and the solar energy just doesn't heat up that hemisphere as effectively. You can test this with some dark paper taped to some boards and a thermometer. The kind of thermometer that quickly takes infrared readings and gives a number of degrees is very easy to use for this demonstration. But if you have a red alcohol-filled glass tube thermometer, you can use it too. Put it under the paper and get the temperature readings from it. Prop up the boards at angles on a clear sunny day and leave them out for the same length of time. The paper that most directly faces the sun heats up the most. The paper that's most turned away from the sun heats up the least. Sky Caramba.